right, welcome to the first ever Route One Things and Stuff podcast. Did I get that right? I think we were going to go with the Route One Boys. Okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. We yeah. can make it more specific. Yeah. And so, well, I'm uh, Dylan Roberts or Gabe Roberts. You might hear both names on this podcast. <laughs> I'm Trent Bruff. All right. And so this is kind of like our first podcast. Uh, uh, me and Trent have very different professions, um, but there is actually some commonalities between it where we both do research. Trenton probably does way more research on on legal stuff, him being a lawyer, and I just do basic research on any kind of story that I'm interested in, mostly foreign affairs stuff, but you know some stateside stuff as well. Um, let's get started just by like uh, Trent kind of like explain your background and what you do and uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I uh, grew up out in uh, West Texas off of Route 1 um, on a pig farm out there. Went into to the big city of Midland for a little while, uh, late middle school through high school, and found my way to Austin in the late 90s and uh, been here pretty much ever since then with a little stint in Houston when I went to law school, uh, then came came right back here to Austin and uh, had my own practice here in, in South Austin. We're well, we were, at least when we first moved down here, one of the only law firms within a couple mile radius anyway. So um, I'm a transactional attorney. I do uh, real estate law and business law, um, kind of help a lot of businesses, represent them as an outside general counsel, and help people buy and sell stuff is typically the, the easiest way to uh, to describe what I do. No, that's great. Yeah. And then just for me, um, I've been mostly just a video creator filmmaker i don't even like i don't even know what term just i like to make stories is pretty yeah. much what i tell people mostly overseas most a lot of stuff in middle east and um i was born in austin uh, in dallas but i was pretty much raised in austin and so i was only just born in dallas and so i like to consider myself <laughs> a local austinite true and true and um, but also spend a lot of time in West Texas out on Route 1. Exactly. Ma- makes you a, an official Route 1 boy. It does. Yeah. I mean, I would, we would spend summers there, any kind of, any kind of, you know, in Abilene, you know, being surrounded by, you know, friends technically, but more family and, yeah. than anything else. Can you kind of explain what Route 1 is just because most people aren't going to know other than our immediate family? Well... Route one is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, you know, it's a whole stretch road out of West Texas. Um, you know, kind of rural areas out there is where, where we grew up and where we spent time growing up off of Route one. Um, as I said, I grew up on a pig farm out there. And of course we had relatives out in Abilene <clears throat> that, uh, where, well, now it's not rural where, mm-hmm. where that house was. Now there's a giant Walmart sitting out there on the North side of town. Um, but, but really it is kind of, a kind of a like a close kind of lifestyle for us right i mean our our parents knew each other for years and years and years before we were even born or thought of and um you know they took uh, took great pride in that uh, that old stretch of road and uh west texas in general and uh, we kind of carry on i think that the traditions of our of our parents you know and now we're it's kind of crazy thinking about it you know because we're you know, we're much older now than than your your parents and our and my parents were when they first met and started hanging out. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of we got to carry this thing on and carry on this lifestyle for them. Yeah, I always try to. I think the best I was trying to explain to my wife Ashley, like what is what's Route One or whatever, you know, and and the original house where the location was, 
you know, everything from uh, you would go into this weird barn in the backyard, uh, probably like 50 rattlesnakes underneath. Sure. And um, But you would always have a good time just running around, doing whatever, shooting firecrackers or playing with the different dogs that are around. And, Remember Rusty? Oh, yeah. Rusty, would, <laughs> Rusty the dog, oh, yeah. which was he was kind of mean to everyone except for he he liked me for whatever reason but he would like chase 18 wheelers he wasn't afraid of 18 wheelers yeah. at all at all you would see 18 wheelers drive by the house and he would literally chase and try to bite the tires <laughs> and he never he never died from that you know i'm pretty sure he died from like old age or something yeah. like that how about swimming in the old uh, the old trough out there yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> and that pond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good times out there. Yeah. So it, it really is like a lifestyle, kind of like a cultural kind of, kind of like a very specific to like a West Texas kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of adventure out there, right? I didn't grow up in town. I live in town now. Um, but, you know, that was one. And you grew up in, in, in cities, but you spent so much time out there. So you got kind of the best of both worlds. Me living out there until I was a middle schooler. I mean, it was living in, in the middle of nowhere. We mm -hmm. had to make our own fun. It wasn't a deal where friends could hop over from a couple of blocks away and come play well, video games later in life or just do whatever. It just didn't exist. So a lot of adventure out there. Uh, where The stretch that we grew up out on closer to Midland, Odessa, uh, you probably remember, you know, we had some mopeds out there. My dad one right. day took a lawnmower and just mowed down like acres and acres and acres of these trails that we would just ride on, you know, for years. And, you know, you used to be able to see when you were landing into the Midland Odessa airport, you could see our moped trails from, uh, from the airplane when you were landing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just lots of adventures. It, it, it's, it's tough to explain. It but, is. Uh, but, but a great, uh, great experience growing up there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing like the swamp cooler that was basically in the living room blowing in <laughs> because it would in the summertime it would get over a hundred degrees. Yeah. And so everyone would play dominoes yeah. or card games. 42. 42. Yeah. You would play right next to the swamp cooler. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's really right. Route one is really kind of just like a stories, which kind of makes sense for like a podcast. It's That's like, right. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what it comes down to is, is the generation above us. Um, and we were just there adopting it. And so, but it's really like a, a unique kind of like a West Texas style, yeah. not so much West Texas where it's like Friday night lights and football no. and cattle and ranch. This is more of like a unique kind of West Texas style where it's not so much cowboy, but it's just like good friends, good people. Sure. And they, they live in a simple kind of lifestyle yeah. But in like in a good way. Yeah, kind of for sure. It. So, yeah. So kind of like what made you now you're a lawyer. You went to, you did some school at, at ACU. Yep. Yep. And then now you're a lawyer now. And so mm -hmm. what made you want to be a lawyer? Yeah, that's a funny question. So I've been involved in uh, my family's uh, real estate business for a long time. Uh, kind of learning various aspects of it as a, as a young man who didn't really know much about much. But uh kind of ground up from from working on houses to doing a little bit of office jobs here and there and eventually uh, acquiring and selling real estate for the business um but 
whenever I decided to do school, I kind of went to school later on in life. Uh, I was kind of set in that I really enjoyed finance and accounting and, uh, you know, just kind of understanding how businesses work. So it made a lot of sense to me to go into business school after that. And I did go to Abilene Christian, uh, graduated through their uh, business school there with a major in accounting, um, which was fantastic. Had a great time. I was the oldest person in the school probably that wasn't a professor, but that's okay. Um, but uh, learned a lot there. But toward, uh, toward the end of my schooling there, um, I, I started getting a lot of attention from big accounting firms that wanted to hire me to come be a, a CPA uh, with their firm, take the CPA exam and come work with their firms. And it just really didn't interest me at all. Um, and uh, I think it was, I took like a business law class as part of the curriculum there at ACU. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a little bit of case studies and, and looking at it from now from back then, you know, I was like, oh man, this is kind of cool. I didn't know in, how incredibly uh, painful it would be in law school. But so, you know, I didn't really have, you know, mom, dad, you know, brother, none of them are attorneys. None of them have really ever had any desire to be attorney. So I kind of didn't really know what I was walking into, but I just decided one day, hey, I think I'm going to go do this. I'm not really interested in going to to public accounting. Um, I could continue doing real estate, which I still do with uh, with my wife. Um, But I just wanted to see what else is out there. So it kind of just led me there and I kind of just jumped in you know, feet first. And, uh, you know, it was pretty miserable for the first, uh, first <laughs> year or two trying to figure out, uh, what in the world the professors were looking for, for answers. I couldn't get that at all. Um, that was, that was very difficult from somebody like me that had, you know, spent a lot of time in finance and black and white and accounting to go to a whole world of, mm-hmm. there's not really a clear answer to anything. So it's kind of, there was a struggle for sure. But so are they trying in law school, are the professors kind of trying to like weed out the people? Is it set up to where like they wanted to make it really difficult and hard for students to rethink what they want to do? Like, is that yeah. kind of the reason or it's just because there's so much information you have to know everything kind of thing yeah well i don't know that it's necessarily weed out i don't think any of the professors really want to weed anybody out but i think kind of naturally that does happen law school is very difficult and and the professor's jobs there and you'll hear this from from many lawyers if you talk to them they don't really train you in the business of law at law school they don't teach you really how to be a lawyer they teach you how to analyze things and think about things that the uh, the average person wouldn't think or, or analyze the same way that you would. That's the whole purpose. That's the whole three-year hazing. That's the whole Socratic method. When your first day of class, you're expected to read, you know, four or five cases containing words that you don't know what half of them mean, and the professor looks at you in front of your entire class and says, stand up and answer my questions that your professor knows you don't know the answers to. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, you got three years of it. By the time you get to your third year, you kind of got the game figured out, but that uh, that first year, maybe two years, is is, is pretty uh, pretty uh, tormenting on uh, especially on young folks. I gotta imagine it's got to be so pretty pretty. What's bad. harder, like going through law school or uh, or doing like the bar? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting. I have a you know I don't want to you know keep talking about myself. Tons I need to hear about you a little bit, but I had two very different experiences. I struggled with law school when I first went because I didn't really get it, mm-hmm. and I eventually kind of. Uh, understood what they were looking for and it started clicking for me and I was like ah okay here we go 
So, but at that point, you know, I was already halfway through law school, but ended up doing just fine. And then there's the big bad monster, which is the bar exam. And my story is a little bit unique in that um, in between finishing my last law school class and graduating, which was a three week span, I believe, mm. I got diagnosed with cancer. And so I walked the stage like four days, five, six days fresh out of surgery and studied for the bar exam going through chemotherapy and, uh, you know, dealing with this cancer stuff. And uh, frankly, for me, I used studying for the bar as an, as, yeah, as an escape from everything else that could have been consuming my head. It reminds me of my, my old uh, bar prep professor said, hey, if you're thinking about, you know, breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a divorce or any kind of life altering uh, event before the bar, don't do it. And I said, wow, that's a. Uh, that's a heck of an event, you know, <laughs> but ultimately the reason I'm saying this is I used it to my advantage. I would spend 10 hours a day studying six, seven days a week because it would keep my mind off the other. And when it came to the bar exam, um, on the third day, when it was pencils down, you're done. I felt very confident, um, that I had done well on the bar exam and sure enough, got the, uh, the scores back and did very well on the bar exam. And now, I know the flip side. I know plenty of people that did fantastic in law school, graduated at the very top of the class, and then had to take the bar exam two, three times. Mm. Um, they're different monsters. They're very different monsters. Yeah, you gotta, you know, it's one of those things where your your grades through law school aren't necessarily gonna translate to a great bar score. They're yeah. two different monsters, right? So. I don't know if anybody out there is thinking about going to law school and you're listening to this, you know, keep that in mind. You know, right. it's, it's a, it's definitely a, a marathon, not a sprint. Is the system like, is that how obviously things could improve, but overall you think it's a fairly good system how to become a lawyer? I think it is. I think the bar is set pretty high. Now I, I think it's, it, at least from what I saw, I think it's fairly difficult to, to fail out of law school because right. they grade on an absolute curve, right? Um, at least at where I went to school in most schools, it's difficult to fail at law school, although it has happened. But I think where you see this kind of weed out or people dropping out is really it's kind of a maybe a mental or an emotional thing where the pressure of law school just gets to people and are like, this is not for me. And it's true. It can be a very, very stressful job. And, you know, uh, you know unfortunately, we're in an industry that has a very, very high rate of, of substance abuse, alcohol abuse, and, and suicide, mm -hmm. because it is a high-pressure job. And, and, you know, you got the weight of all your clients' uh, problems on your shoulders, and, and you don't sleep so they can kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so what, what kind of, you know, when you come into your law office, you know, most people are not wearing suit and ties, very casual. Yeah. And so what's kind of your, you know, your approach of being a lawyer? Yeah. So again, I'm a transactional lawyer. I don't spend any time in a, in a, in a courtroom, but also I think, uh, especially with the newer generation of clients and of lawyers, I think we're trying to, at least we're trying to walk away from that stigma of, you know, we don't want people to think that we're just grumpy old guys and girls and you know just kind of like we're, we're out to go get people look we're trying to do the best we can for our clients and we fight hard for them and i fight hard to get the best deals done in the world but that has nothing to do with you know me making a mean pose with my arms crossed mm -hmm. in a in a perfectly uh black suit with a perfect tie 
Um, so, so I think some of that is, and I think that a lot of our clients appreciate that. I think that when people come in the door, granted it's casual Friday here and I've got me a V-neck t-shirt on, right. but that's not the norm. The norm is I'm wearing, you know, a, a nice button down shirt. Um, but I think our clients feel more comfortable coming here. They don't feel like they're coming into a place that's going to break their bank and there's a, it's full of people that are just out to come, you know, take their money and, you know, give them substandard. We want the opposite, right? We want to, we want people to come in and feel comfortable being here because let's face it. Most people that come here and see us have some kind of problem. Yeah. They don't want to be here. They don't, they don't want to have to be here. And that's not the case all the time. I work with a lot of transactions, like I said, and people are really excited about things, but doesn't mean they're real excited about spending a bunch of money on a lawyer to, uh, to negotiate a contract, but you know, I mean, I think wise on to do it. So yeah, no, I can imagine. And so, but yeah, I, I, I've, it's been really cool to see you transition into what become, you know, you know, you becoming through the law school process and you becoming a lawyer. And then you even helped me on a lot of my contracts yeah. and providing like really good, just advice in general on, on a lot of just little things, even like setting up LLCs and, and so, um, it's really, it's cool to see like now you have a, a law firm and with partners and you have people coming down. And so it's really cool to see. Yeah. And, um, and I know you started as a musician and a creative and, um, and I know you still play music and mm-hmm. organ. And so, um, that is pretty cool to see, you know, using both sides and I'm sure like being a lawyer, you have a lot of benefits of just, you know, approaching businesses and helping people with their businesses. And so that's pretty cool to see. That's a lot of fun. You know, it's, it is good. And, and I think, I think now it's probably a, a pretty good transition to, to kind of inform some other people where you came from. You know, I, I personally like to believe that, uh, that my older brother had a little bit of, uh, the spark in your head when you were a, a young boy to, to get into what you're doing these days. Yeah, I I uh, was lucky enough to be surrounded by really great people when it came to anything creative, um, especially in making movies. And so ever since, probably even before I can walk, um, your brother Tyler was making movies. And so um, I just grew up watching you guys make home movies all the time. Well, you were in them lots of times. Oh, yeah, I was in them <laughs> <laughs> without even knowing. Yeah, we probably have some of those. We might have to uh, cut yeah, and bring them so out. Yeah, bring them out. play some clips. Or I, think so. I think your mom has a few of those, doesn't we she? Do, yeah, we do. Um, we have some, we have some uh, outtakes and stuff like the me running around. And so I always just, you know, Tyler was, like, always showing me how to edit, you know, different cameras and, you know, like, uh, Tyler has a very like unique style of filming and unique style. So like, it wasn't like a generic film school. It was someone who was a self-taught. And so, and which I would, a lot of the stuff that I learned was also self-taught. So I, I kind of learned like what an indie filmmaker sure. kind of was doing. And Tyler still makes movies and he does it because he loves it. That's right. As weird as they still may be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't think Tyler's going to disagree with that. He, uh, he does. Uh, I love, I, I still remember watching the psycho bunny 
That's probably my favorite film. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they played that one at Dolby down here. No, yeah. I think he won something, too. Or like, he, at least it was entered or something. Yeah, it was. That was pretty cool. It was. I remember that because he's so good at sound effects and yeah. everything. And so, yeah, Tyler was one. And then my cousin, uh, Carrie Roberts, yeah. um, he kind of had like an indie film career in the days. And so he would help us, you know, make films, too, and um, and so I've always just been making movies. And then when I got into college, that's when I started transitioning more into documentary sure. and journalism, uh, mainly because just University of Arkansas didn't have a film program, but they had a journalism program. And so it kind of brought it kind of brought a different side of what I was really looking for. I mean, you had to make a bit of a choice, right? I mean, you were a, you were a heck of an athlete. Uh, yeah. And so it was athletics and, and film. Yeah. How did you split your time on that? Um, I, I, I think before going, when I went to school, I, autom- I, I thought athletics would be, um, would be something that I, would, I saw myself doing for even past college. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I went to one of the number one programs in the, in the country, University of Arkansas, that has over 40 national championships, wow. has yeah. more than any. And so when you go in a program like that, you learn really quick. You're not, you're, you're not the good, you're not the best one. You know, your first practice rolling out and you're PRing and practice personal best. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. And is a big step. And so I, I learned a lot. I, I could have had a better time in my career in college, but I think I was just ready to, I, I saw guys who were older than me who were way more talented to me. And I saw them get just, you know, go through the pro system and how hard it is. And mm. I'm like, man, these guys are like running miles under four minutes. You know, they got qualified for the Olympics. They got, you know, set personal records, NCAA records. And just like the career running aspect of it is so really difficult Yeah. as a career choice. I was like man, I don't know. So I kind of saw like an early, like you really have to be insanely talented Mm -hmm. and not just like, I mean, I know people who qualified for world championships and Olympics and, you know, and didn't really have a career much out of that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I kind of just, you know, I decided to start traveling and worked overseas a lot and, um, did a lot of documentaries, done stuff for like Vice and New York Times and Al Jazeera. And so now I don't really, I kind of don't really do much journalism anymore. I kind of do my own stories and then I'll do some production stuff. And uh, I've been enjoying that. And so truly freelancing, truly freelancing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Awesome. That's awesome. So I, 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 I think now just how the industry is turning, it doesn't make very much sense. Like me being published, doesn't mean as much anymore yeah like even stuff that i did for new york times like some of those some of those work my initials are on it and it's not even hyperlinked you know it's like how are anyone gonna know that i did this yeah right (laughs) And, and so like uh i think it's still great go get published go get work yeah Get build up the portfolio, but you're never going to have to start selling. So I've always like tried to have a production side where I do stuff for like nonprofits or businesses, That's great. NGOs, um, and I enjoy it. And so uh, this year has been different, just um, 
it has been different just by staying home more, not mm-hmm. traveling as much, but I enjoyed it. You know, I, yeah. I enjoyed just like, you know, each day just kind of working and being done and then um, just relaxing, not have to worry about traveling all the time. And yeah, um, so I enjoy it. Yeah. That's awesome. So a lot of your, your stuff that at least used to be was kind of related. I think you hinted on it kind of like disaster areas, mm-hmm. right? So war torn areas. Uh, you did a great, uh, a great documentary about uh, the aftermath of the earthquake there mm-hmm. in Nepal. Um, so do you expect to be doing any more of that kind of stuff or, or yeah, so a little bit about my background, which you can hear more, like I have another podcast called just FS podcast, freelance society. And it's mostly just me and my business partner, or I'm starting to interview other conflict journalists or war journalists, or just journalists who've worked in foreign affairs or natural disasters. And so we have a few episodes that kind of goes in really what I do. And so uh, just a little bit, I, I've covered a lot of countries like Iraq's Iraq, especially um, since 2010, 11, around that time, I started going to and uh, documented, you know, went through the whole ISIS conflict when they took over. And so I spent a long, long time there uh, covering and also spent a lot of times covering natural disasters, whether it was the Nepal earthquake um, or even, you know, Hurricane Harvey that hit Houston and uh, you know, we, as a company, we did stuff, you know, welcome to Aleppo, which was the first virtual reality 360 video in a war zone, uh, about what's happening in Syria. And that was filmed, uh, by my business partner, Christian Steven. And so we've done stuff in Somalia and, uh, Gaza, West bank. And so, uh, quite a few different areas. And I, 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 it's still my favorite thing to do. I love going to those places, despite like what a lot of people think. Sure. Um, really close friends, good people. You do kind of get blind of like you get numb to like of uh, the whole war journalist experience. You know what's the thrill of it. Um, you do kind of get sucked into that vibe. But I've always just kind of I I for me getting into it was always just almost kind of like a hero vibe mm-hmm. naive as that is, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to tell these stories cause I really th- believed it was important and sure. people should watch it. And now when I see the industry where it is, I feel like if I went to go do those stories, unless it was like a Netflix or a Amazon prime, which those are now considered the, you know, the premier thing. That's, that's where, where you want to go. That's where really like, you know, making a murderer mm-hmm. and all these amazing documentaries. I think that's now where you're going to be taken more seriously. If you do anything like that, I think now if you were to do in anything on the news platforms, I think it's just too oversaturated yeah. and it's that one day and that's it, you know, the life shelf of a story now on anything digital, it, whether it's an article or quick, unless it's something really big like Epstein, mm-hmm. evidence of Epstein, you know, having all these ties and sure, stuff like that. Sure, sure. Those are obviously big articles. Yeah. So for me, it's always been like people, stories, you know, civilians caught in danger, you know, the soldier that's fighting for his family, like very humanized type stories. That's kind of what I care about. 
if I come across something investigative, great. I'll try to see if that really makes sense for it. So yeah, I do miss it. I would like to go, but I think this year has been good for me of just just staying home and processing yeah. and and learning things yeah. and learning about myself. And so yeah, I, I I hope I would like to go back. I think I realize that a lot of war journalists that I grew up. Um, learning from like Tim Harrington or Sebastian Junger, they just, they really started when they're in their Mm thirties and I'm 31 now. And so I started when I was like 20, 21. (laughs) So I can, I have to remember, I can always go, go back there. Sure. So, um, I, but I, I think I would want to make sure if it's the right story. And for me now, I think I would tell those stories on my own accord. I would, you know, unless there was, you know, a Netflix or something like that, great. But yeah, that's sure. like almost winning the lottery. Those companies already know what they're planning out for the next five years. So yeah. it's all timing and luck and knowing the right people. I know people I can get in front of, but it's all just timing and just a process. So, But for now, I'm enjoying doing podcasts, talking to other people. That's fun. And it's fun. It makes it, you know, and then I have my work. I have my, my production work that I'm doing, and I can just do that and focus on that. And then... I, I, I want to make my story something I really care about and not even put a business business model behind it like yeah. it was before. Yeah. So that's kind of how I see it. But yeah, I think down the road, I, I, I would like to go start. You know, I am working on some stateside stories, you know, which there's a lot here. Yeah, of course. And so that's kind of, I think that's kind of where we'll see how the rest of the year is. But, you know, there is an insane amount of stories going on right now. And I think the election is kind of, covering it a little bit which makes sense so um but i love it i, I love telling stories but I, i've been enjoying podcasts in this kind of format and uh we'll see how it goes yeah, yeah. well that's awesome man well i hope uh hope you can get back to it sooner rather than later of course you know remain safe i know that uh right, that right, your folks right. and your family always get a little bit nervous every time you uh you <laughs> hop on one of those missions but uh uh, I've definitely seen a lot of your footage and, and videos and followed a lot of your stuff, and it's it's done very, very well, and you're very good at it. So hopefully uh, hopefully you'll have another chance to, to cover some of that stuff that, you know, people over here in the mm-hmm. U.S., I mean, most of us over here wouldn't dream of setting foot right. in the places you're going and to. And I think right? I just, what I have to remember, I, I, I got to the point where, like, if this didn't get a certain amount of tension, I would be discouraged of doing that stories. So I think now I'm just like, screw it i don't care (laughs) (laughs) i don't care if it's like 50 people read it and they really care about it that's more than enough that's great that's exactly right well that's awesome man um and so like i know one of the stories that you were telling me about which i think would be i'm sure someone's working on it but you were telling me just kind of like um the what's going on in the city of austin which that's where we live um regarding mortgages and businesses um people doesn't have won't have to be evicted if they're renting but that affects the people who own the property uh where do would you like to start on that like i think (laughs) maybe maybe just kind of a best of your ability yeah like whatever you think is really important to you, like sure. what you care about. And I think we could start there and then I can inject some questions or something. Well, there's so much unpacking to do, right? I mean, that's, it's a really interesting thing. And of course, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know every aspect of it, but, and I also am not, uh, I'm also not a fortune teller, so I don't mm-hmm. have any idea what to expect. But what I can tell you is that 
based on my experience on, on being in the legal industry and, and hearing both sides of what's going on with this stuff and seeing how um, things like the mortgage industry are working and how it's affecting uh, both landlords and tenants. Um, it's it's pretty pretty interesting. There's a lot to kind of talk about there, and, and uh, I'll get into something else a little bit later. But uh, essentially, what's what's kind of happening here, and and it's really also countywide and uh, and citywide, and we've got a lot of local government kind of taking action where larger kind of statewide and federal government aren't taking action. And I'm not saying they're not taking action. Everybody's taking action. Nobody knows if it's right right now. I mean, right. it's, we're all a bunch of chickens with our heads cut off trying to figure out ways to uh, make sure that, you know, we don't have people losing their houses, yep. people losing their businesses, losing their jobs, staying healthy. I mean, these are just like – it's like everything bad that can happen to, uh, to, to a group of people is kind of happening all at once right now. And this isn't just localized. This is all over the country. This is all over the world, right? You know, how do we how do we make this work? And so something that's kind of interesting going on here, as as we talked about, I'm in real estate law here in, in Austin, um, is that we've now got countywide and uh, citywide uh, bans on notices to vacate. Hmm. Um, now, a notice to vacate is the very first step in uh, in an eviction process. You have to fill out or fill out or you have to send and submit certified or you can put it on the doors a few different ways of delivery this notice to vacate when somebody's in default of their lease and uh you have to do that before you can even walk to the courthouse or file online your uh your eviction right. proceeding right so the county and the city have said we can't do those um until uh, after at least december 31st 2020 there are some exceptions of course there's uh, there's some rent level income level uh, things not income but rent level so i think it's you have to have a rent that's 2750 and under or somewhere around there oh, which, which is, is like basically Austin, everybody everything yeah, yeah residential wise that's basically everybody it's not everybody but it's basically everybody um so the threshold's pretty pretty low right i mean and um what i'm kind of concerned with is you know how's that affecting not only so i see what we're doing the good there right is making sure that we don't put people out on the streets, lose your homes, things like that. Super important. Everybody needs their housing. Um, but we're not, what I think we're seeing some of, not all, because there was some legislation at the federal level called the CARES Act mm -hmm. um, that has uh, gotten this forbearance deferment of mortgage payments if you have a governmentally backed loan, which makes up something like 82% of all mortgages out there are federally backed. So there's been some, there's been some relief there. But not all those loans are federally backed. There's a lot of people that are private lenders um, and owner finance deals, and hmm. they're they're not they're not touched by those rules. And so we're thinking about uh, you know tenants, for example, that uh, are protected under a notice to or a ban of the no vacate notice, and then they're living in a property that's subject to a mortgage by a private lender and the person that owns the property paying the mortgage also has a mortgage for the house they're living in and maybe that one's not uh not uh, uh deferred and so this person's going well how in the world am i going to pay my bills? bills yeah and i can't kick this person out because uh of the of the county and and, and citywide bans on the notice to vacate hmm. um so it's it's tough it's a tough tough call the the local uh, officials and 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 uh, people running the show down here, have, they, they, I don't envy that job at all. So is those laws, 
how fast can those change? Like once it's set, like is it has to wait for a certain time period? So like this eviction type thing, yeah. will that just stay in place for a certain amount of time period? Or can that stuff just change yeah. in a week or a month? Or So they're not these, what we're referring to here, at least not as far as the CARES Act, that, that, that was enacted. But what we're talking about like locally with the, the right. ban on the notice of vacate, those aren't even laws. Those are just uh, emergency orders and declarations. Okay. And so that makes them even more kind of subject to change on a whim. Right. right. And, and so like I think we talked about previously, you know, the Supreme Court of Texas has released, I think now 27 emergency orders and a good deal of those have to do with the eviction process and adding and changing things. And so landlord tenant lawyers in, in Texas that, you know, have gotten used to this same old eviction process. And granted, there are some hiccups and no case is the same, but all of a sudden they're having to figure out, okay, am I filing the right things? Is everything right in my filing? Because now Dang. we're getting new uh, direction from the federal level, the Supreme Court of Texas, the governor, the city, the county, everybody's saying all these things and they have to be, you know, incorporated in your petition and, you know, you can, you know, you can, you can misstep. And what's going to happen when you misstep? Well, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get the judge ruling against you every time. Wow. Yeah. And so even for like bars and restaurants right now, that is yeah. kind of the same play just because Austin has so many iconic restaurants yeah. and music venues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard enough to have one of those when everything is going normal. And That's so, right. Well, and, on, and not on that front, you know, to, to go back, most of the protections that we're talking about here have to do with residential. Residential. But um, in, in Mayor Adler's last uh, order, the one that's in effect until the end of the year, um, he did include uh, commercial tenancies, but it's very limited in scope. It's not every commercial tenancies. I don't get included here as a law firm. Um, what he did, what they aim to do is protect exactly what you're talking about. We're talking about live music venues, art venues, uh, bars and restaurants. Some of the arguably most hardest hit by the uh, pandemic um, and what we've done here, right? You remember there was a period of time, a long period of time where bars had to shut their doors here, the, whole time. the entire state of Texas. Right. And, you know, anybody that, that, that knows the bar industry will tell you, you know, they operate on fairly slim margins and shutting down for even a weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's almost just devastating. So I think we're going to, we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of issues, a lot of closings of places that you know we kind of knew growing up. And yeah. Well, even like I saw like the Broken Spoke is now like a restaurant mm -hmm. because restaurants were able to open open early, and now you saw like bars that I used to go to never serve serve food. That's right. All of a sudden, served food, and now they're considered like a restaurant. That's right. That's right. It's, so it's, that just shows you like no one really knows. We're all fly, we're this. all flying by the seat of our pants. Anybody that tells you otherwise is lying to you. Exactly. Uh, we we don't know we don't know what's going what's going to happen. We don't know what the answers are. Uh, but what we what we can do is you know have faith in in our people and our governors and and our local officials uh, that they're going to try their best to do the right thing. And you know yeah, that's, they're not trying to burn the country yeah, down. I don't they're think not, so. Yeah. And, and I think that the same thing goes with with uh, with our communities that we're living in. You know, I mean, uh, people are interesting creatures. You know, I mean, look look where we come where we've come in you know a short period of time. I mean, it was pretty hilarious i was talking to uh, some of the other folks that, that work here at my law firm the other day and 
Um, I, I told them, I said, I, I remember when there wasn't bottled water. You couldn't walk into <laughs> right. a 7-Eleven and buy a bottle right. of water. And they're just kind of like, what? What? Like, what is that about? You know, um, and one of the great ones the other day, I'm, I'm dating myself like crazy. But I was like, yeah, when I was a teenager, I mean, the closest thing I had to a cell phone was a little beeper. And I didn't even get that until I was maybe 16 <laughs> years old. Yeah. And, you know, what would happen? I didn't get that iPhone until college. See, I didn't iPhone. I mean, that's, I don't even know. I've never had one of that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they got, so when I had this beeper, right, you know, this is the way it would work. Uh, you know, nowadays you can text somebody or you can call somebody anytime mm. you want to, 24 hours a day. I was a teenager. I'd go downtown with my friends down in Midland, Texas, a real wild place. And if you, th- if you think I'm telling the truth on that, you got another thing coming. <laughs> there was a little coffee shop down there where some of us would hang out, uh, you know, on the weekends or whatever. We'd have these beepers. And so your beeper would come up, you know, bing, bub, bub, you pick it up off your pocket. And it would be one of your friend's phone numbers. And sometimes they would have a code like star 911, which, you know, meant call right. me now. Yeah. Right. So what, what would you have to do? You have to go somewhere where you knew there's a payphone. You had to go drop your quarter in the payphone and go call the person. And, you know, say it's, uh, say it's Gabe calling. You got 911. I'm like, what's up? He's like, oh, what's up? Well, nothing. <laughs> I'm at the coffee shop with, uh, with Ryan and Adrian. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. Come pick me up. I'm like, well, so I just spent 30, 45 minutes on a beep with a 911 for you to ask me to come pick you up. And so it's just amazing how things have changed. And if that's not a testament to how ingenuitive that people are and intelligent that we are, that we can overcome obstacles as seemingly simple as that, I think that we can figure out ways to to deal with this this new reality. Yeah, I know technologically wise, like um, it's just, it's insanely increasing how fast it is. Like. The distance, the time that it took between making a, a cell phone with a new cell phone, I felt like it took like two years before you got the next one. And especially in cameras, you would wait like two years. What's it, like 30 days now? Now it's like, yeah, <laughs> like six months is like a brand. So like tech and making that tech even yeah. better yeah. is is closing the gap of how fast they can actually do yeah. it. So yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think we, we are... I think people need to realize like the people who are trying to battle this and what they're doing, they're trying the best as they can. And yeah, there are some people who are making really dumb mistakes and, you know, and like maybe they are getting bad advice. Maybe they are, you don't really know. You don't know until you actually meet them. And, and so like, I know, I know you come from a music background and, you know, you just kind of live in that music scene just by having friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. How, how is the music industry and artists being impacted by everything now? Oh man, they're they're just getting wiped out. I mean, it's it's terrible. Um, you know, especially not everybody. There's some you know people in the industry that are figuring out ways to do things like putting on podcasts and and you know and the folks that are doing recording studios. Maybe they're figuring out ways to do that. But I mean, as far as making money goes for the for the actual artists, I mean, it's just been it's been a killer, and yeah. it's uh, it's unfortunately it's it's probably going to be, you know, the end for some maybe would be great, great artists that, Mm. you know, just couldn't make a living doing it. Couldn't get on the road. Um, you know, because the majority of, of artists make their money touring. That's how they make their money. Right. That's not record sales. It's not, no, it's touring. It's getting out there on the road, getting paid to play shows, selling your merchandise, et cetera. That's where they're making their money and they can't do it. They can't do it. And so, 
the biggest concern for me is is you know the the folks that are you know they're they're trying they're trying to to do something and they just can't there's nowhere to play there's no one to come out and listen to the music i mean you can try to do um, you know, a lot of people are doing these online streams, which I think is fantastic, but it's not the, not same. the same. It's not the same experience, yeah. right? I mean, we've had YouTube now for years where you can watch, you know, live concerts. I mean, there's 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 a thrill behind going out and seeing a band and or, or going to see a, any kind of artist, even a DJ, going to a light show, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. Dogs doing backflips, something. Yeah. But right now we can't do any of that, and it's just it's really really killing them and. I think that they're having to get created in how they're making their money, and, and I'm going to pick on uh, one of my uh, my really good old friends who played drums for me for a long time named Michael Kelton. Um, he currently plays drums with Pat Green. Wow. Um, but just like every other musician, I mean, they've been hard hit. You know, they're not playing shows, and so he's kind of tried to figure out creative ways to, to make money, and he's got a couple of other businesses going on now, and one thing he's doing that's super cool is he's uh, started up a new company called More Than Music Creations with his wife, and uh, she's a jewelry maker, so she's taking, they've got partners with, with musicians and bands, and some very well known, and they're repurposing their used guitar strings and turning them into jewelry and selling cool. them on, oh, it's super neat. Um, so that, so stuff like that's going to, you're going to see good sides of it, because I'm sure... A lot of these musicians are going to write. They're probably spending so much time writing music now. Yeah. And you're going to hear, same with like in the film industry, I'm, all these writers and directors are probably coming up with awesome scripts and ideas. Sure. I'm sure with music, these artists are have the time now because they're forced to to come up with new material. And Well, that's right. Yeah. When, you're, when you're about that, that record label life, you know, I think there was a Matt Carney song that said something like, uh, you got a lifetime to write one and two years to repeat. There's so much pressure. So, right, you spend your entire life writing this amazing first album, right? And you finally get it down. The songs are great. You get a record deal or whatever the deal is. And as soon as it happens, just pressure, 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 repeat, 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 repeat. So musicians listening right now, take this time. You got time that you never had beforehand because beforehand you have to be out on tour making money. Right now you can't do that. Yeah. And so I think you're right. I think maybe, you know, when this thing comes out, yeah. I mean, we may have some amazing albums, you know, coming from both people we've never heard of and other people that we have heard of that, you know, maybe fell off for a minute. I know you're a... A big yeah. music fan as well, so maybe some of your favorites will come out with some things that just kind of blow your mind. Yeah, I'm I'm Mumford and Sons. Anything that they come out with, I'll I'll be a big fan with them. And yeah. so, uh, I uh, but it's also a good change. Like with YouTube and everything, there's a lot of young people that you just got to go make content and just not worry about. He's just keep going and going. It's about being consistent. Yeah. That's what I always tell people. It's like, you, if you're going for the audience route and trying to get discovered, like you just have to be consistent with it. That's right. So I do think I, I do see some hope happening. And so I, you know, it's not going to last forever. And, um, and luckily, you know, we're in an age where we have technology, we have stuff to keep us busy. Like if this hit us, like even in the eighties or nineties, like it would be, it would be gay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it would be like, you know, and so or maybe because there is so much information, maybe it is making it worse. Maybe it is, you know. I mean, you keep uh, you mentioned like, uh, you know, like written written stories and things like that and how it's you know, it's just so fast paced because there's so much of it. Right. And I'm, right. 
I mean, I don't watch a lot of television myself. I get yeah. all of my information from from reading. And you're right. I mean, you're just getting blasted with things from every single yeah. direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know I, if that's better or worse. I don't know. I've done a good job just because maybe I, I'm, a, I'm in the industry, but all my social feed, everything that I consume, I make sure is a feed that I – I'm, I, I, I enjoy, have fun, and informed. I remove anything that's anything like negative yeah. or, you know, and I'm talking about like negative that's like this, what are you even talking about kind of thing. Yeah, right. Like, like I have stories that are sad and stuff like that, but they're informative. Sure. So like that's what I tell people, like what you consume, like actually look at what you're looking at or what your feed, who are you following and what you're consuming and mimic that. And you like even YouTube, if you just watch the content that you really like about, like it actually does a fairly good job of like what what kind of content you want to watch sure. next. So I I'm really like I'm pretty proactive of like what is my feed and how I'm going to consume it. It's excellent. So just because I think too many people are just watching way too much shit, and yeah. it's like you need to like pull back or you're just going to be, it's just like playing video games for 20 hours, you know, straight, you know, it's a little bit of, that. Hey, speak of, did you see that, uh, that documentary on Netflix about Cambridge Analytica? Uh, I, I it's been a while, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. Huh? It is crazy, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. You know, you've heard a lot about how, how uh, technology companies are gathering information and, and are it's a new gold basically new know more about you than you know about you. I mean, it's, exactly. Woo. They know, they know exactly how, what you're going to be thinking, what you go. And there's, there's actually some pros to it. Yeah. There is a way that's going to get better. I think because like I, I, so I love shopping boutique, type clothing and especially food and spices and meat. Yeah. And these companies are really small right now and they just make batches and stuff and then they release it and then you have to be on point. And yeah. so I have them all on Instagram and I like make sure it's almost like uh, a newsletter for them. Yeah. And so, and so they know me so well that Anytime I go to Instagram, I get my first feed as those companies. Oh, that's awesome. And then I get it. So there is pros with that. Yeah. People will get freaked out though if you see it, and so so I it might get better, but right now, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like the wild wild west. We're yeah. in the first, we're really in the first wave of like what data can really do to you. But there is be benefits. Like I think there's a lot of there's obviously a tons of negative side, sure. like bad stuff where you're sharing personal info, information, like what you're doing, privacy. And I tell people if you really want to get away with it, just get rid of your phone. Yeah, break it. Use a flip phone because you're never going to get away from it. That's right. That's right. It's with you everywhere. You know, I I, I like to uh, pat myself on the back a little bit privately. I, I don't, this is probably you're probably the first person I've ever told this to, but I like to think that I got them sometimes. Yeah. Because I love scrolling through my Facebook feed and seeing the advertisements they think I want to look at, like, yeah. and I'm like, man, this is all over the place. Like a like a a a, 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 a pair of rabbit ears for your pet great dane and i'm like don't nope. want any of those but that's that's amazing <laughs> that's pretty crazy yeah i remember another story it was really funny i still have the shirt my dad <laughs> my dad one day said hey i got you this shirt and it says something like bruff the legend continues or something he's like i was just scrolling through my facebook page and this shirt showed up <laughs> on my page i thought wow that's really cool and so he bought it 
He bought it. You know, he, <laughs> so he, uh, I think, uh, Dad, if you're listening here, I think, uh, I think they got you. <laughs> People, especially our parents' generations, because like I grew up with Facebook, I grew up with like social feeds. So like I have a really understanding for it, and I think I, since we, I really grew up in the internet age. Like I knew what was. Not all the time, but I knew what was really bad misinformation. Sure. And like, okay, this is somewhat informational. And like, I think this is correct. I think before that, when you had just newspapers and television, you absolutely believed 100% was being told to you because that was the only thing. I think maybe you're right. And so now you have multiple different stuff and you're like, okay, which one's right? Yeah, you got to look at it with a with a skeptical eye. Everything, right? Yeah. I mean, you got everything's an opinion, right? Everything that's written is an opinion. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're even you're looking the, at somebody, even if it's about facts, it's still somebody's viewpoint or opinion on right. how those facts happen, right? So no, even if you have people on camera saying like, "I'm not banning fracking," <laughs> and I was like, "I never said that." I was like. I literally have video, <laughs> and so it doesn't even. What, what on earth are you talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah, we could talk. We can we can talk about it. You you said you watched that debate last night. I did. It was actually, um, I mean, it was very presidential, both sides. Like they did bicker back and forth a little bit, but like n- normal considering what the first one. I didn't really watch the first one because I was I was in I was camping. But I, I don't think I miss very much from the first yeah. one. But I don't think that debate really. I'm not a political analyst or anything. Um, I don't think that's going to change anyone's mind. And so yeah, I, it I didn't don't sway think so. anyone. I don't think so. I mean, it seemed like there was quite a bit of misinformation on on both sides of that both sides, uh, of yeah. that screen there. And of course, when when Crystal wanted to turn it on, you know, of course, it's on every major news channel and yeah. a lot of the networks. And I said, yeah. so which sides of the talking heads do you want to listen to analyze this, exactly. right? So that's kind of how we base it off of. No, I pretty much turn it off once it's over. Yeah. I just, I Well, that's when the opinions the fly, heads. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, you know, they're watching. I, I can come to my con- conclusion if you watch it. You yeah. know, like, why am I going to listen to yeah. these people where they all are going to have different takes on yeah. it? Like, I already have watched it. I have my own take. That's right. That's so right. Uh, that's why I don't think that's, you know, a good example is people are, it's not going to change very many people's minds. Look at the commentators. Yeah. Their, their minds aren't changed. No, that's not changed. Well, it's not going to change my mind because I've already voted. I don't know about you. Have you voted yet? No, not yet, yeah. man. I don't. You, you still got a little bit of time for, for early voting here in Texas. If yeah, I, the 30th. yeah, I am. I, I, I am like you, these two people, they haven't earned really, they haven't earned my vote sure. in a lot of ways. Sure. And I've traveled enough places where the government, I, I, I don't care about it. I, I care about the people in my community and my family and who I impact and that's it. Yeah. Like, I'll accept whoever's in power. Yeah. They got it. I accept it. I'll just make do. I want the best for that person. I want the best. I want the best for that president. I want him to succeed. I don't want sure. him to fail. So I'll accept who it is. But as far as this presidential race, like I, I'm still thinking about it. But they haven't earned my vote. Man. Yeah, I hear it. And, and one thing that I keep repeating to people, and and I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but I definitely talk to people about it. 
Um, uh, for, for me, like the presidential thing is like, uh, it's not really a factor to me, kind of like it is, is for you. Right. Uh, what is a big factor to me is it's our local, local government, yeah, right? Correct. And so that's what I've been urging people is that, you know, like if you're going to go out to the polls solely to vote for Joe Biden or, or Donald Trump, and that's the whole reason you're going there, but you're forgetting about what we just talked about with the mayor and the county and the state level, uh, the, the the governor and uh, the state level legislation, those people that actually literally affect your day-to-day life. If you don't know who's running there, absolutely, you're blinded because while, yes, there are, of course, is implications all the way at the top, those are not the people that are that are uh, dictating, not really dictating, but uh, you know, kind of governing and setting rules and regulations and laws for what you do on your streets every single day, right? So, Absolutely. that's what I tell people: like, leave the presidential thing out as an afterthought. Focus on these uh, these uh, city council members running, yep. these local judges running, uh, your uh, Supreme Court of Texas justices that are on the ballot. Um, there's tons of tons of local and statewide uh, uh, races going on right now that I think do have some actual impact on us being Texans. And I tell people this is what you need to focus on. Um, I think, and it's not anybody's fault, but we tend to lose sight because what's uh what's what's a what's a bigger show right of course it's the presidential right it's all over the tv it's all over the news it's almost like a uh like like a rolling stones concert yeah. right you know it's like this big huge to do whereas your little city city council member they don't have that kind of money they're not going to be on tv yep they're going to be knocking on doors and kind of hoping that you read about them yeah and so if people like homeless homelessness is a you know, huge problem is a huge problem in Austin. That's yeah. something that has dramatically increased since like we were, uh, I was living here as a kid and seeing it completely like on Lamar, you know, and, and down your street going to the overpass, you know, it's, that never used to be like, no, that. it's yeah. And, and, and again, who has the right answer? I don't know, but we should, we should be figuring that out. Yeah. We should be paying attention to who's making those decisions for sure. Yeah. Cause that's not Donald Trump or Joe Biden making nope. those decisions. They're not. Yep. It's all up to your local government and state. And I, I completely agree. Vote for that and everything. You know, it is not just the presidential. Yeah. It's a big thing for me. I could, I could care less, man. You know, I, I've, I've been through, you know, a lot of governments and seen different things and, um, you know, you're seasoned, I'm seasoned, (laughs) I guess, you know, but I could be wrong. I'm probably am wrong. Yeah, maybe, but I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really don't like, I, I, I'm, I'm here for my family, my community and I'll, I'll, I'll help people when I can. Yeah. But if you think you're making this big impact by voting, who's going to be, you have to understand both sides are not trying to burn down this, this country. You want the best, you want them to both succeed who matter wins. Um, And so we, we have to learn to communicate with each other. Yeah. We're just going to pick sides. I think that's right. Because no matter what, there is going to be a winner. And we have to still live with that, you know, with that person. Well, sure. We're, we're still going to be neighbors. We're still going to be uh, Texans. We're still yeah. going to be Austinites. Exactly. We're still going to be Travis Countyans. Is that, I'm in is that Hayes, okay? So. You're, oh, yeah. You're in Hayes. You're, yeah. uh, you're in down Hayes. the road. In, yeah, exactly. In, in, in uh, San Marcos and uh, Wimberley and uh, Buda, Buda territory. Yeah, Buda and uh, I guess Dripping. Dripping Springs, yeah. Yeah. Driftwoods out there. Yeah, yeah. Pretty area. Salt Lick Barbecue. 
Absolutely. Hopefully less people will discover that area. But oh man. I doubt it. No, you're, you're way out of luck. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, you know, out there where my dad's land is, it used to be wide open spaces. Yeah. And, um, in fact, Crystal and I bought a, a three acre uh, lot a couple of years ago and they're building this massive golf course in this amphitheater and recording studio. I'm sitting there going like, uh, uh-uh. yeah, I bought some land to be on some land, not in the middle of town. So not doing that deal. We sold it out. I mean, it, it makes sense. It's gorgeous out there. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And people, more people are going to work from home anyway. That's and right. even with the pandemic happening, I think more people were working from home anyway. I think like that's right. Trending. Well, and I'm hoping that a lot of uh, decision makers and employers are, are, are taking enough notes and realizing that, hey, we don't have to be sitting in our cubicles eight hours a day to get things done. Um, I, I think people in this country and kind of around the world have always, I, I like to pat everybody on the back. We figure out a way to get it done, yeah. right? I think for the most part, of course, you're going to have some, you know, bad apples and you're also going to have some like way overachievers. That's great. That's the way the economy has yeah. always worked. That's fantastic. But I think we can get it done. And, and I think that people do tend to thrive more when they don't feel so controlled all the time. And like somebody's got a magnifying glass over their, over their cubicle, they're going, what are you doing over there? You know? And, um, I hope that more business owners and employers, like I said, and and decision makers are taking plenty of notes. And even when this thing is all cleared up, I mean, let's, let's not, let's not go backwards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good episode. Yeah. You know, that's our first one. We'll try to do this, you know, every every week maybe sounds good we'll to try me. it we'll yeah. go for it that's the goal at least you know three or four a month yeah that's probably like the more realistic goal but that's cool this was fun we'll you know we'll keep just chatting about stuff and things is that what we're gonna like the tagline yeah okay. just it's things things, things and stuff. stuff there you go and uh yeah we'll talk about the difference between the word thing and the difference and of the stuff. word thing and stuff okay. and, and later and of course i think maybe if anybody's listening to this and has a thing or some stuff they want us to talk about or discuss in Texas or in Austin, just in general, just hit us with an email or yeah, or social media accounts, whatever. whatever. It's all good. Yeah. It'll be good. This will be available everywhere. Um, Probably most common would be Apple or Spotify. And then you you can watch this on YouTube. Uh, Those are the three main. And then we'll post like certain clips within the podcast on um, both our companies uh facebook channels and stuff like that and they'll do they'll automatically you know have links to the full episode so yeah yeah, we'll maybe bring some guests try some maybe new some new texas beer or some whiskey something like that there's a new distillery in town maybe we'll talk about it next time oh that's cool all right found out about this morning awesome all right thanks yeah thank you